Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to have you in the room with us today. Uh, everybody, everybody's here, so I, I guess your house didn't blow away. Everybody all right? Wow, huh? Shed is almost gone. Well, I think a lot of sheds are almost gone. <laughs> I think if your shed's gone, you did all right. Yeah. Well, hey, glad you're here. So good to see you. Uh, if somebody has a big tree down, just let Andrew know, and we'll, we'll have some chainsaw guys come out and find you, okay? I know that sounds intimidating. I mean that as help, though. You know, that's not a threat. <laughs> Words matter. Uh, hey, here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to start a new series here for about four weeks. Uh, and the whole title of the series is If You're Thirsty. And I want to talk to you for a few weeks about spiritual desire. Uh, I want to talk to you about spiritual hunger and spiritual desire. And we're going to bounce like a stone across a few scriptures. And we're really going to investigate this thing that is a vineyard reality, which is whatever it is we call the vineyard, not just this vineyard, but the vineyards that are around the world, uh, they were started because a group of, of really simple people were hungry and thirsty for God. They were, they, were, they were desperate. Like one of the words you hear over and over again in our vineyard history is the word desperate. And we want to, we want to sink our roots into that because that's not only how we came to be, but it's also... It's also the, the reality that keeps us who we are. And so we're going to take a look at that. But before we get to the scripture this morning, uh, I want to ask you maybe this question. Have you ever been so thirsty that you would drink just about anything? Like, have you ever been thirsty enough that you would even drink your least favorite beverage? Yes. Whatever that is, you know? Um, like, you would, you would even receive a glass of pickle juice and you'd be like, I would love to drink pickle juice. I'm literally that thirsty. Um, you, you probably have. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever told this particular story or not, but last summer, last summer I had a couple free days in the mountains before this speaking thing I was supposed to go do. And so I threw my mountain bike in the truck with me before I was supposed to go talk. And I thought, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go camp for a couple days by myself. And there's this one really epic mountain bike loop that I've never taken in North Carolina. It's called Pilot Rock. I'm like, I want to go ride this. I'm going to ride it by myself. I have, I have the time. I'm going to do this. And you know, I even researched on YouTube the route and what it's like, sort of what to expect. And I threw my bike in the truck. I had my gear with me. And I took off. And I knew the climb was long. Uh, the climb was longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it was about 10 and a half miles up. So I'm, I'm climbing for 10 and a half miles. And it took me a good minute. And I get to the top, and I'm like, wow, this is really beautiful. I made like a really nice panoramic thing with my phone. And then the whole reason you ride mountain bikes is so you can ride the downhill. Like the uphill is like whatever, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the earn your turns is what we say in mountain biking. And I'd earned my turns, and so I'm on the way down, and it was amazing. I'm just, I'm just blasting, right? And, and I get to the bottom, and it, it spits me out on this gravel logging road in the middle of the wilderness, and... 
I look at my GPS and I look at the pin where my truck was. And it's at that moment I realize I have about six miles left to go. And I thought I should only be about a mile from the truck. And I look down and I have no water. And I'm already like toast. I'm absolutely toast. And most of this six miles, uh, you would guess it, is, is up. And so I finally get back to the truck and I'm, I'm, I'm not well, you know? I'm like really not well. Uh, I, I'm that kind of dehydrated where you start to get cold. You ever experienced that? Like I'm, I'm like there. I'm, I'm absolutely there. Some guys who are taking their mountain bikes out, when I got back to my truck, they see me. And this one fellow says to me, he's like, hey, are you okay? Because <laughs> he could just see it on my face. I'm like, man, I don't know. I just did this thing and I'm really thirsty. And he, he threw me a water and it was, it was like, I, I don't know. I, it was, that wasn't even water. It was, it was nectar from heaven, you know? And, and it wasn't long and I started to come back to life. But that was one of those moments where you could have given me a glass of mud and I would have drank it, you know? Yeah, you get thirsty enough. You're like, I just, I just need a drink of water. Well, that's what we're going to be doing in this series. We're going to be talking about our thirsts and our hungers. And, and here's why. Because everybody, everybody who's alive is ultimately a hungry and a thirsty person. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but you're a hungry and you're a thirsty person. It's, it's fundamental to our human condition. Uh, it's in our biology. We get hungry and we get thirsty every single day. And by the way, this is something you don't grow out of. You don't grow out of being hungry and thirsty. Um, I also like this image too. Little tiny babies. You have, you, you know, you have your first baby or whatever and the baby comes out and it cries for a minute. But it isn't long until that baby is really hungry and it's, and it's connected quite literally to its mother, you know. And, and even though the baby grows uh, and even though the baby eventually becomes weaned from the mother, the baby never outgrows hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. We don't outgrow it. And so you might be a self-sufficient adult, but your appetites remain. And that's really what we're going to look at in this series. Uh, not only is it in our biology, but it's in our, it's in our psychology and it's in our spiritual condition as well. Uh, human beings are aching creatures. It's one of the things we'll come back to over and over in this series is human beings are aching creatures. And the longings in our heart they, they must be fed. Uh, here's what I would like to say so clearly in this series. The longings in your heart must be fed. They cannot be ignored. They must be fed. There's a really, there's a really great quote from Augustine, and uh, my friend is going to put it up for me. This is what Augustine says, and it's really pointing to this idea that, that we have an ache in our heart. He says, you have made us for yourself. He's talking to God. You have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless, what? Until they find their rest in you, God. Like that's the human condition. That's the human condition. And so uh, that's what we're going to be uncovering for a few weeks. And I want to read you maybe the foundational scripture for this, for this series. And it comes from John 7, just a couple verses. Uh, John 7, on the last day of the climax of the festival, this would be like the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and he shouted to the crowds. I love this. Anyone who is thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water. And by the way, living water here means like moving water. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. We'll start right there. 
anybody who is thirsty. Uh, let's do this first. Just some, some Bible stuff. We've got to do some textual stuff here before we jump into the other. Some textual stuff. Um, the scripture this morning says this, the last day, the climax of the feast. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. That's when this was happening. Uh, and it's important to keep this in your mind. So Jesus, Jesus is giving us this word uh, at the end of a really important feast. Uh, so one, one thing we kind of have to have in our minds is not only is Jesus saying, if you're thirsty, you can come to me, but he's shouting this at the climax of this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And I would like to say maybe two things here. Uh, number one, whatever it is to be a Christian and no, whatever it is uh, that Christianity ultimately is, it's, it's a feasting communal thing, right? Like when does Jesus give us these words? He's giving these, these words in the middle of a feast. Like what does it mean to be the people of God? It's not fundamentally that, that we're people of absence, but we're people of abundance. Like so that's, that'd be one thing I'd want to say. But the other thing I would want to say is that one of the key features to the Feast of Tabernacles is that the priests in the middle of this, of this feast, they would pour out water and wine around the altar. So imagine you got the temple, and in the temple you got the altar where the sacrifices are. But at this feast, they would take drink offerings, and they would pour them out around the offering. And they would take wine offerings, and they would pour them out around the altar. And here's some of what that symbolic act is pointing to. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a way for the priest to begin to pray for rain. And why would you pray for rain? Because you're a subsistence culture. And this is like right when they plant the plants, you know, they plant the crops. And so you'd, you'd pour out water and you'd say, God, would you pour out rain on us? Would you pour out rain on our crops? Right. And then they would also pour out wine and wine is a picture of what? the harvest, right? Like, so you'd pour out what it takes to get the sprouts up, but then you'd also pour out some of what is hopefully coming, right? So in the middle of this feast, the priests are praying, number one, they're praying prayers for rain, but they're also oddly enough praying prayers for resurrection. Now, this is weird, isn't it? So they're, what they're saying, what they're saying in this, in this festival is this, God, would you raise up for the, would you raise up for us crops. But God, would you also raise up our bodies like you're going to raise up the crops, like from the ground. And, and these themes, these themes of water and life are like intertwined in this festival, water and life. And it's at this point that Jesus says, anybody who's thirsty can come to me. Anybody who's thirsty can come to me. Now, when Jesus says that word, anyone, that word anyone, especially in the context of anybody who's thirsty, it's picking up some Old Testament echoes. So anybody who would have been listening, who was a good Jew during this time, they would have been like, wait a minute, uh, that sounds like something to me. And Kate's going to put it up. It's Isaiah 55, verse 1. It says this, is anybody thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money, Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. So Jesus knows. He knows. And then that second part of uh, verse 38 is another Old Testament echo. And maybe you can put it up. Kate, you're on it. Ooh. Everyone is fired except for Kate. That's not true. We will let anybody 
do slides here. <laughs> so verse 37 is an Old Testament echo from Isaiah 55, but verse 38 is another, maybe slightly quieter Old Testament echo from Ezekiel 47. Jesus says, anybody who believes in me can come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now there's another Old Testament prophecy there, but then there's this other like quieter thing that happens in Ezekiel 47. If Ezekiel 47, we won't read it this morning, I'll just tell you really quickly. It's this image that the prophet gets of this river that starts underneath God's throne and it comes out of the temple. And when it comes out of the temple, it's like really shallow. And then it keeps going. But here's what's interesting about this picture that Ezekiel gets. Uh, the further away from the temple it goes, the deeper it gets. Now, how many of you know that's not normally the way it goes, right? Like, it's really strange. It, like, starts as this little trickle, and then it keeps moving further away from the throne of God. And the further it goes, it gets deeper and deeper. And then finally, the river overtakes, in Ezekiel's vision, it overtakes the Dead Sea, which is so salty, nothing can live in it. And that water becomes fresh, and it becomes teeming with fish and life again, right? So when Jesus says this stuff, he's like, firing on all of these different images. It's a picture of life returning. And so here's Jesus on the last day of a festival, all about new life and resurrection, spring rain for the crops and resurrection for our bodies. And he's riffing on a couple Old Testament promises about hunger and thirst and the life of God flowing out from the dead places and bringing new life again. And he's doing this while the priests are pouring out water and wine around the altar. Uh, later, by the way, Jesus would pour out blood and water uh, from his own body as an embodiment of this promise, right? And John even gives us that note. And here's, here's what Jesus was saying to the crowd, but then also to us this morning. Uh, everything that you've been waiting for has arrived in me. That's what Jesus is saying. Everything that you've been waiting for has arrived in me. All those promises are here. Jesus is saying this morning, I am the true drink. Uh, he's saying, I am the spring rain. Jesus is saying, I am the true temple. Uh, Jesus is saying, I am Ezekiel's river. Jesus is saying, I am the satisfier of hearts. Uh, he's saying, I am Isaiah's promise. Everything Isaiah was saying, Jesus is saying, I am that guy. Everything that you've hoped for is real. The priests pour out water and wine as a symbol and a prayer. And Jesus says, I'm the true altar. Jesus says, I'm the water and the wine poured out. I'm the one who satisfies every thirst and brings delight. That's what Jesus is saying. All of our thirsts, all of our thirsts. And so what I want to say this morning to us uh, fundamentally is every thirsts, and every hunger we have is ultimately an invitation to come to Jesus. Look at, look at this. Anybody who is thirsty may come to me. All of our thirsts are an invitation to come to Jesus. Jesus invites us. And if the Lord himself invites us, we should go. All my longings. All my longings are an invitation to come to Jesus. All my thirst, all my hunger, all my desire, all my hopes... Every single one is an invitation to come to Jesus. Everything that animates me, all my ambitions, all my appetites, they're really invitations to come to Jesus. Uh, uh, my noble thirsts, 
my noble thirsts. What are those? Uh, things, things like this. My, my, my appetite to do well. My appetite to serve other people, uh, to bless, uh, to make things better. That's, that's an invitation actually to come to Jesus. But then also my base thirsts. My base thirsts. Uh, things like my, my ambition to get ahead or just my selfishness. And all the many ways that that multiplies, they're actually invitations to come to Jesus. He won't turn us away. But here's the question maybe in the room this morning. What if I'm not thirsty? Or what if I'm not hungry? What if I'm not hungry? And what if I'm not thirsty? And specifically, what if I'm not looking for Jesus in that way? Um, I, I want to say three things to us this morning if we're not hungry and we're not thirsty. Like, why is it that we might not be hungry or thirsty? Why is it that we might not come to Jesus? Uh, number one, uh, it's possible that I'm filled up on something else. Like, why would I not be hungry or thirsty? Uh, maybe I'm satisfied somewhere else. I want to talk to you about cultural meals here for a moment. Cultural meals. Uh, our culture has all sorts of meals for our hungers and thirsts. It's the cultural combo meal of acquisition. Some of us, some of us, me included, some of us are just hungry for more. Like, what am I hungry for? What are my appetites about? Some of my appetites are just for more. And we think, and we think it's for more stuff. You know, some of us just feel like what I need is just a little bit more stuff. And I get like a new thing off of Amazon. And then as soon as it comes in, I'm sort of like ready to get my next new thing. Or, or maybe I'm just always researching the next thing I'm going to buy. And then I buy that thing. And then, then I find a new hobby. And then I just start researching the next new thing I'm going to buy. I'm just, it's like, it's the, it's the cultural meal of acquisition. And some of us know about that. Like some of us in the room maybe even have like crippling credit card debt because we've just been feeding ourselves on the cultural meal of acquisition. It's a very real thing. Sex. It's the thirst for intimacy and connection. And, and we think we'll find that. We think we'll find that in another partner. Or maybe the next one. Or maybe the next one. And culture says, you know what? It's fine. Just, just keep feeding yourself off of this meal. Just keep going for it. You know, it's totally fine. Don't let anyone shame you. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone lock you up with purity culture. You know, don't let anyone shame you. Just go do whatever you want. It's fine. But I want you to know that, that one, if we give in to these kinds of cultural meals, we, it, we never get satisfied. It just, it just leaves us more and more empty. Or maybe, maybe we've been feeding ourselves on the cultural meal of power. We desire control and position, and so we feed ourselves on a steady diet of the ends justify the means. Like, why is it I'm not hungry? Why is it I'm not thirsty for God? Why is it I'm not coming to Jesus to have my true longings met? Well, it, it could be that I'm, I'm just filled up on something else. By the way, that's a hard question, right? It's a hard one. Number two, why is it I'm not hungry or thirsty? It's possible I'm just distracted. Uh, has this ever happened to you? Some days I get up and I'm, I've got like so many things going. I just, I jump up and I'm 
out the door and I do this, 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 this. And then all of a sudden I look up and it's like 2.30 and I haven't eaten anything and my head is screaming and then I'm hangry, right? And, and, and it's not that I didn't eat because I didn't want to eat and it's not that I didn't eat because I wasn't hungry. I didn't eat because I was just distracted. You can be, you can be distracted. The demands of the day or the distractions of life, they sort of like, they all hit at once and then, and then all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about nourishing my body. By the way, Jesus tells a story that's eerily similar. He tells a story about this guy who went and sowed good seed on all kinds of soil. But do you remember the one soil he talks about? He says, there's this one soil that the guy went and sowed seed on. And you know, it went in the ground and it did okay. But it got choked out by what? The worries of life and the pursuit of riches just got choked out. Just the distractions of the day. A few weeks ago, I dropped that Puritan quote on you, and it sort of hit the room in both services. I'll read it to you, Quint, again. Uh, the Puritans talked about the deadening effects of innocent delights. Yeah, it's just distraction, just like total distraction. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes, sometimes things like another 28-part Netflix series. Oh, yes, my new show has come out. It's 38 parts, you know, and, and I'm just absorbed. I'm just absorbed into it. Or, or maybe it's a schedule that's just filled with insanity and I'm just distracted. And by the way, these are not even necessarily bad things. I've got no issue with you watching some show on Netflix, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong about that. But, but sometimes, sometimes it's about discerning between the good and the best or the primary and the secondary, you know? And all of a sudden, your life can be filled with secondary and then your primary is ruined. Ask anybody in business about this. Your business can be ruined by giving yourself to the secondary and never giving yourself to the primary. This happens all the time. There's this other story in the Bible. Maybe you remember Mary and Martha. Y'all remember Mary and Martha? Jesus comes over to their house. Um, Martha gets up and she makes a bunch of sandwiches that Jesus didn't ask for. This is, the, this is basically the story. Jesus comes over and Martha gets up and makes, makes sandwiches that Jesus didn't ask for, but Mary sits at Jesus' feet with the boys. By the way, this is like breaking all the rules. Like number one, the women shouldn't be in the room with the boys. And number two, you definitely shouldn't be sitting at Jesus' feet. And number three, you should be helping your sister make a dinner, but, but, but Jesus didn't ask for a dinner. And then, and then Martha finally gets really, really frustrated and she comes in and she says, Jesus, aren't you going to tell this woman to get up and help me? And Jesus basically looks at her and goes, well, I didn't ask for any sandwiches. And Mary is doing what is better and it won't be taken from her. Right? Just the distractions of what we think needs to be done. It will kill your hunger. It will kill your thirst for God. Like some of us in the room might be making sandwiches for Jesus that he didn't ask for. Or some of us, some of us in the room, we may be absorbed in another another secondary thing or just the, the granular demands of the day or another 38-part series on Netflix 
and the margins of your life to actually commune with God, to choose the better thing that will not be taken away. We just, we don't do it, you know? Uh, um, I was reading this week, the average person spends four and a half hours a day on their phone. Can I tell you something? If you're spending four and a half hours a day on your phone, you're wasting your life. You will look up at 70 and you'll be really good at Candy Crush and you will have wasted your one true and precious life. Like, I ain't mad. It's like, you won't go to hell, you know? You won't go to hell. Like, some of us maybe spend eight hours a day on your phone. Great. You, it won't send you to hell, but you will waste your one true and precious life. You will, you know? And, and what is it? It's just distraction. And by the way, phones are just distraction machines. That's, they're, they're tiny $1,000 casinos. That's all they are. They're just like, you know, it's working on the most primitive parts of your brain to keep you attached. And Honestly, the best thing that could happen is for us all to just throw them into a ravine somewhere, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, but it, will, it, will, it will make the secondary things the primary things. Like what happens on Twitter doesn't matter. It's not even real life. Those are not even real people. It has nothing to do with your real and actual life. Forget it. Mm. Why am I not hungry and thirsty? Number one, number one, maybe it's, I'm just filled up on something else, a cultural meal. Number two, maybe I'm distracted. And then number three, finally, maybe it's because I'm sick. How many of you have ever been sick and you just didn't want anything to eat? That's always what happens to me. If I get sick, like here's how you know I'm sick. I'm not hungry. Like on the day that I'm not eating, something's wrong. Something's really, really wrong. Uh, I, I, I don't get sick often, but some, when I do, I just, I'm like, man, I don't want anything. I remember when I, when I had COVID, I just, I got in bed and I, I don't think I moved for two days. I just had like a fever and it was awful. You guys know you had COVID. Probably you had, you had COVID like 187 times, you know, you know, it, it, it wasn't allergies. You had COVID. Your allergies don't give you a fever and put you in the bed, you know? Oh man, it's allergies. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but I had COVID and I was, I was in the bed and I just had a fever and Heather locked me in there alone, you know, and she just quarantined me. She would slide things under the door. But I, for two days, I didn't, I didn't eat anything. And why is it that I wasn't eating? Because I was sick. Everything sounded terrible, even things I loved. Even chocolate ice cream. I love chocolate ice cream. I get a chocolate ice cream cone almost every single day at three o'clock. It's why I go to the gym. It's literally why I go to the gym because I want to go to Baskin Robbins and I want those little kids who work up there to give me a chocolate ice cream cone. And I, I want to feel great about it. And I do. I literally, I feel no guilt. I go almost every single day. They know me. They know my truck. When it pulls up to the little thing, they're just like, pull around. I pull around, and the, the little girl, she just hands out, the, and I hand my card. Here you go. I need a reward stamp. They don't have it. But when you're sick, you don't even want the things you love. You don't even want it. And here's, here's what I want us to know this morning. If we're honest, if we're honest, we live in a sick culture. We're all sick. And here's, here's the thing I want you to know. Like, there's some other stuff that's at work inside of us. 
And, and sometimes the viruses that are alive in the world, they're things you can't see. How many of you know you can't see a virus with your naked eye? They're real. Virus, COVID is real. It's like a real thing. It, it's a real bug, you know? And it can get in you. And then when it gets in you, it can like put you in bed. And then the things you love, you won't even want them anymore. And there are cultural viruses that will make you sick. And just like COVID, you cannot see them. You're, it's imperceptible. It's imperceptible, but it's, it's there. It can, it can make you sick. And, and one of the ways you, you know you have some kind of a virus is like if you get stuck in apathy and spiritual fatigue, like you just don't care anymore. The things you used to care about, you don't care anymore. The way you used to love God, you don't love him anymore. The things you, you used to you do, that you don't do it anymore. And you just like let it go. The way, the way I used to care about Jesus, I don't care anymore. The way I used to love God, I don't love anymore. Well, where's that coming from? Uh, why, is, why is my hunger and thirst for Jesus, why is it gone? Well, maybe it's because I'm filled up with something else. Maybe it's because I'm distracted. But honestly, maybe I'm just sick. Maybe I've gotten a cultural virus I didn't know. I couldn't even see it and it got in my body. And now I'm just like fatigued and apathetic. I'll tell you another thing that'll make you sick too is disappointment and sorrow. Disappointment and sorrow will make you sick. It will make you sick. It's not even, it's not even a sin. Being disappointed and, and sad, it's not even a sin. Like life is really hard. And if you live long enough, you're going to experience some difficult things, uh, even if you love Jesus. And, and by the way, if you love Jesus, you're, you're probably going to get a double dose. It's just kind of the way it works sometimes. And everybody here is going to experience some disappointment and some sorrow and, and left un, unchecked and left undealt with, those, those, those griefs, they work the, their way into our bodies, like invisibly. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're heart sick at a way that, that you weren't anticipating. And, and your hunger and thirst that used to bring you to God, it's turned off. But here's the promise. Look at verse 38. Look at verse 38. Jesus says, anybody who believes in me can come for a drink for the scriptures declare rivers, multiple rivers of living water, moving water will flow from his heart, not just into his heart, but look, where's it going? Out, it's, it's from, right? And here's the wonderful promise this morning. In the very places you have a deficit, in the very places you have a hunger, in the very places you have a thirst, there will, there will be an excess to, to an overflowing river if you come to Jesus. If you, bring, if you bring your deficits to Jesus, there will be an excess that will not just run to you, but run out of you. And the very places where you have lack, you will bless the world. This is the wonderful news this morning. Uh, there are people in the room and you're like, man, I have a hungry heart. Bruce Springsteen knows it, right? <laughs> the boss knows. Like Jesus and Bruce, they know. We're probably going to sing it next week. I, I meant to bring my guitar. We're going to sing Hungry Heart. Glenn, learn it. Where are you at? There you are. It's kind of a, kind of a weird Springsteen tune, but yeah. But the promise from God this morning is that in the very places you have a deficit, There'll be, there'll be an overflowing river. And it's towards the world, from your heart, from your heart. 
In the very places you lack, a river can flow. In the very places you've been most thirsty, fountains and rivers can touch the world. You know, if, if you filled yourself up on the cultural meal of acquisition, in the very places where you've spent your life trying to get more, if you come to Jesus with that hunger and thirst, something will move out from you. Uh, in the very places where we've tried to use sex and intimacy to satisfy, if you come to Jesus with that, you can actually begin to bless the world. I want to read one more quote to you. This is from Thomas Watson. He says this. He says, God will fill the hungry because he himself has stirred up the hunger. As in the case of prayer, when God prepares the heart to pray, he prepares his ear to hear. So in the case of spiritual hunger, when God prepares the heart to hunger, he will prepare his hand to fill. What a beautiful thing. Like if you're hungry and thirsty for God, it's because he's making you hungry and thirsty. He wants to draw you into his heart. Like there's a few scriptures that means so much to me. Uh, like David, David says this. He says, uh, one thing I ask that I would seek, that I could live in your house and gaze on your beauty all the days of my life. And this is the guy who had everything, right? Like David has it all. And, and not only did David have it all, David had all the women, he had all the money, and David was a badass, he killed everybody. Like, like let's just talk about it. And what David said is, is, I would rather be near to God. I would rather be near to God. That's the heart I want. I just realized I cussed. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. This morning... This morning, here's what I want to do. If you're on the worship band, come on up. This morning, we want to, we want to lean into two things this morning. We want to lean into two things this morning in terms of prayer. We want to lean into this. Number one. Who here is feeling a hunger and a thirst for God? Like a renewed hunger and thirst for God. Uh, if that's you, we want to pray with you because this is what I've noticed about hunger and thirst for God. Not only does he feel it, but it spreads. Like hungry people just spread. They just, they have a way of like, it's just what Jesus said. The thing that's in your heart flows out to the rest of the people. And so we want to bless that. But number two, maybe there's, Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I have lost some elemental hunger and thirst for God. Like, I used to have it, and, and it just seems like it's elusive. I've lost it, and we want to pray with you and for you because God wants to restore that. Or, or maybe you're here this morning and you're realizing, oh, I don't know if I've ever pointed my hungers and thirsts toward God. I've, I've pointed them in every other area, and I've tried to fill it with addiction. I've tried to fill it with acquisition. I've tried to fill it with politics or whatever, and it just hasn't done it. And so God would want to touch you this morning. So why don't you stand? We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. 
Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.